This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Autzen Audibles podcast. I'm at Prem. Eric Scopel is with me as always. And on today's show, we're going to talk about Oregon's hot run on the recruiting trail where they've landed four verbal commitments over a four-day period, have jumped from a top 20 class into now the top 10 and what could be coming next for the Oregon Ducks. And before we dive into this, I want to remind you guys that if you are not a VIP subscriber, you can become one for as low as $1 and then $9.95 after that for each month. Or if you want to save over $44 in, in savings per year, you could sign up today for an annual membership that's billed out at $75.18. That comes across over a 12-month period at $6.26 per month. So you're saving a big chunk of change there. You get inside scoop, expert analysis, read all the content across the entire 24-7 sports network. Not just us. You, you get everybody. Access to the Oregon Duck Insiders, exclusive recruiting coverage, and a heck of a lot more by subscribing today to DuckTerritory.com. All right, we, we mentioned it at the top, Eric, that Oregon has climbed significantly in the recruiting rankings in a matter of a couple of days, the, the tail end of last week. Oregon, middle of the week, was, I believe, 21st in the country, and they landed a couple commitments, and then a couple more followed suit, and next thing you know, we wake up on this Monday morning, this June 1st, six months away from signing day, as crazy as that sounds, and Oregon has a top 10 class, and it's one in which they've got some of the best players from all over the country. Bram Walden is, and particularly the West Coast, Bram Walden is the top player in the state of Arizona. Keith Brown is the top player in the state of Oregon. Seven McGee is the top player in New York. Maliki Matabo is the top player in Nevada. Uh, they've got the number two player from Utah. They've got the number 11th best player in the state of California committed. The second best player in the state of Arizona. This class has certainly transformed into one of the best classes in the country, and it's because of four recent commitments that have helped propel Oregon from 21st in the country to, to 10th. Yeah, and big commitments. And I know only one of these four commitments is of the four-star variety. Um, but there should be, I think, optimism about what these other players provide. And, and we ran through a lot of these details in our emergency podcast over the weekend. Um, and let's just run through who's committed. Uh, last Wednesday, Maliki Matabo, the tight end, we've talked about him quite a bit. Four-star, as Matt said, the highest-rated player in the state of Nevada. On Friday, Oregon picked up verbal commitments, like within a couple of hours of each other from defensive end or outside linebacker from Arizona, Brandon Buckner. And junior college defensive back, Darius Perkins. And then Saturday morning, Darren Barkins puts a bow on that kind of final rush at the end of May to get Oregon to the top 10. And I don't want to say it was an intentional thing that Oregon was trying to get to a top 10, but I don't know if necessarily it was by accident that Oregon 
lands a, a group of commits here right at the end of the month and, and looks up in June uh, with a top 10 recruiting class. And, and a class which is already now, I think, starting to take form. You know, there were times during the month of May, as we talked about on the podcast, where people were wondering what was going on. We're going to have five commitments at one point in this past month. And now you look up, and they've up, they're up to 12, and the class is really starting to, t- to take form. Um, and while it felt like for a moment there it was just a group of individuals, now you look up and you can see, like I said, kind of the foundation has already been laid. You've got 12 rule commitments. They've addressed everything. You know, every position group offensively has been addressed. And now the same thing can be said defensively with um, one defensive line commitment, a couple linebackers, and a couple of defensive backs. I think you're really starting to see uh, that foundation laid, which is a good thing, especially this early on. And the biggest thing with this recruiting class that I look at is the ceiling is still extremely high. And Oregon will move up a little bit in the recruiting rankings once Jadarius Perkins receives his ranking. He's currently unrated. Uh, he's the junior college cornerback from Mississippi Gulf Coast. Uh, and he is a player, though, that when you look at his offer sheet and you look at the schools that have offered him, he certainly is someone that's going to generate a, a, a good ranking. You know, Florida recently offered him a scholarship. Now, we should note that he also is, has said that he's going to consider taking an official visit to Florida. And when you look at Perkins, I think you have the idea that this is going to be a battle to keep his verbal commitment over until signing day, that, that this is going to happen. But it, it's a lot easier to hold on to – 18, in Oregon's case, 12 verbal commitments going into June. Let's just say that by the time the season starts, they have 18 verbal commitments. And let's just, for exercise sake, say they're going to sign a full class of 25. It's a lot easier to hold on to 18 verbal commitments, keep your focus on those 18 guys, and then try and recruit about 21 players to fill your final seven spots that you have available during a season than it is going into a, a football season with seven verbal commitments and having to fill 18 spots and having to recruit roughly 40 to 50 players to fill those spots and, by the way, coach your season. So while Oregon's going to see some guys try and get poached by other programs, that's going to happen. It's a heck of a lot easier to fend off got, fend off other schools for co- your committed recruits than it is to go out and try and land commits while going out and trying to, to coach a season and prepare for a season. So Oregon is right on track where they should be. And the scary thing is, in my mind at least, that this program is just touching the surface of a top five potential. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i in total agreement there. Oregon is ranked 10th nationally, like you said. Um, probably a, another verbal commit away from jumping Minnesota, who's currently sits ninth. Uh, you know, or it could even be a case where once Jajarius Perkins is ranked, that could be enough of a bump to jump up Minnesota because Minnesota is only about four points ahead of Oregon. Uh, over the weekend, I went in and, and used the class calculator here. And just to give you an idea of how close Oregon is to a top five class, there are three recruits that Oregon has picked up some momentum in the crystal ball over the last couple of weeks. Uh, wide receivers Troy Franklin and Dante Thornton and offensive tackle Kingsley Suomatia. We've talked about those three prospects quite a bit, and I'm not saying those players are all going to sign with Oregon or commit with Oregon in the next couple weeks, 
or, or at all. But in theory, just because there is momentum that those recruits seem like Oregon sits in a favorable spot, if Oregon were to land those three players, they would jump all the way to number four nationally and would be a couple of points behind Clemson for the number three spot in the 24-7 rankings. Um, and that would only be with 14 verbal commitments. Clemson has 13 verbal commitments. The couple above them have Ohio State has 18 in there at first, and they'd be way ahead. Uh, Tennessee is second with 24 verbal commitments, and they'd hold a sizable lead. But Oregon has a chance, if they get hot with some of these top prospects, to really make another leap. And, and again, that's not even including the possibility of where Perkins could possibly be re-ranked, which, or I shouldn't say re-ranked, I should say ranked for the first time, which could also add uh, a little bit more momentum in this class too. Yeah, just to give you a, a comparison here, offensively only, I mean, Oregon is on some of the best players in the country, and it's safe to say they are either a leader in the clubhouse or one of you know the top two or three schools for these prospects. Four-star offensive tackle Kingsley Suomatia, four-star guard Bryce Foster, four-star receivers Troy Franklin, Dante Thornton, Xavier Worthy, and four-star tight end Terrence Ferguson. It's safe to say that individually, if you were to say Oregon is going to sign Kingsley, Oregon is going to sign Xavier Worthy, Oregon is going to sign Terrence Ferguson, you look at all of those names and, and you, you say those individually that, that Oregon would sign them, it wouldn't be that big of a surprise. Um, that that would not be a shock in the slightest. Now, if, if you go best case scenario and you just say that Oregon signs all six of those players, and that's certainly best case, and that's probably right. – not going to be a 100% realistic, and sorry, my dog is out back, back barking. Um, <laughs> but it, it's individually that you can say that Oregon has has a good chance at signing any one of those guys. And if you just go best case scenario and collectively discuss all of them as commits, as of today, no other additions. Oregon's class would be number two in the country, and the 18th that 18 man recruiting class would have finished 10th in the 2020 cycle, and it would have finished 13th in the 2019 cycle. That doesn't count Jadarius Perkins getting his ranking. That doesn't count any other additional defensive recruits that get added. That doesn't count any other additional offensive recruits that will get added, and all of which will happen. So the potential for Oregon here is through the roof still to finish with a top-five class, and that's why Eric and I have been on here saying patience, Oregon is going after uh, quality over quantity, and now we're starting to see that quantity, you know, pick up steam with the quality still still holding strong. And they're adding key recruits, they're adding prospects who are three stars, but those three stars are players that are are, are the people on our uh, ranking council have all said are high ceiling players and could see even a, a, a bigger recruiting bump when sports begin being played again. Spent the last couple of minutes talking about the possibility of moving into a top five ranking, who some of those recruits might be. Let's take a second to just kind of reflect on Oregon's 12 verbal commitments right now. And we've each, I think, selected who we think are the three most important commitments so far. I will start just really quickly here. Um, I think one of the most important ones is one of the more recent, and that's Maliki Matabajo. Um, Oregon needed to address the tight end position. Matavajo is one of the best tight ends in the country, certainly one of the best tight ends out West. We ran through kind of what he provides on our podcast last Wednesday following the commitment. 
but just a really big athletic, potentially huge part of the passing game going forward. I think that's a commitment that will be potentially beneficial in the short term, but especially in the long term after the 2021, 22 seasons, um, that could be a time where, where we see him really take off and, and become a huge part of the offense going forward. Um, another name I think is really important and this is probably not a surprise is Ty Thompson, the quarterback, um, you obviously always need a quarterback in every recruiting cycle. Oregon goes out and, again, gets one of the best quarterbacks, not just on the West Coast but nationally, um, a prospect who could be a really good fit with what Joe Moorhead is trying to do offensively. And he spoke a little bit more about kind of his offensive principles over the weekend, and I kind of listened to that and thought, man, Ty Thompson could be a really good fit into what Joe Moorhead wants to do with this offense going forward. And then my third pick is, is Keith Brown. I think it's important to have – a local recruit, a he's the only four-star defensive prospect, and then also he seems to be really integral in kind of some of this uh, recruit-on-recruit recruiting aspect here. It seems like he's kind of the leader of that part. So those are the three I landed on. Matt, who are some who are three recruits from this class so far that you think are most important? I agree with you at tight end. Maliki Mutabo is one of the best players at his position, and it's one in which – Oregon needed to get a tight end here because it didn't sign one last year. They're going to see another tight end graduate after saying goodbye to two tight ends the previous year that played quite a bit in 2019. Um, Hunter Campmoyer is a senior going into the 2020 football season. Cam McCormick was supposed to be a senior and is now has been bumped back down to a sophomore because of medical eligibility reasons, but it wouldn't be a surprise if, if he doesn't finish his final three years at Oregon, if he has two good years, he goes yeah. uh, to the next level. It wouldn't be surprised. And he hasn't been healthy in years. So he has to get healthy before you can even count on him for a full three years too. That's just the nature of the beast. So I, I think Maliki is certainly one of the, those, you know, one of the most important players at this position because he's an instant impact caliber guy. I agree with you for Ty Thompson. I think it's, imperative to go out and get an elite quarterback every single year in the recruiting trail. And Oregon has found somebody that's the seventh best quarterback in the country. He's a top 100 recruit. They got him before he really exploded up, you know, even more as a senior. Uh, I think Ty Thompson has the potential to become one of, you know, truly one of the top five quarterbacks in the country. He's right knocking on that door. And then Mm -hmm. most importantly for me, I, I think Oregon wins in the trenches under Cristobal. And he, you know, Mario Cristobal has made it a priority to go out and, and find the best offensive lineman and find the best defensive lineman that Oregon can sign possible and sign as many of them as they can every single year. And they've done that with Bram Walden, the number one player in the state of Arizona, a top 85 player in the country regardless of position. And he's the 14th best offensive tackle. He, I believe, is the second or the third best offensive tackle out West. And so Oregon is, Oregon is loading up on elite offensive linemen and Bram Walden is the best one of the bunch. And on top of that, he gets you into a high school, Saguaro High School in Scottsdale, Arizona, that every single season they produce a Pac-12 Power 5 caliber recruit every year, every year. And, and oftentimes it's not just one, it's two, three or four. They signed Jalen Jeffers from from this high school in the 2020 cycle. Uh, now they've got Bram Walden. If if you can 
really develop a pipeline into this recruiting, into this high school, you've got direct access to a school that's going to produce multiple power five recruits that Oregon would target every single year. And that's a huge positive. So my third guy is Bram Walden because of his talent is the position that he plays and the mentality that Oregon wants to have. And then also his connection to future recruits that come from his powerhouse high school. All right, you're listening to the Ots and Audibles podcast, and coming up, we're going to discuss a little bit about Oregon's overall offensive haul uh, along the offensive line. We're going to also talk about how many more spots does Oregon have for this recruiting class and who could be next to commit to the Oregon Ducks, all coming up here on the Ots and Audibles podcast. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Bream. Eric Scopel is with me as always. And we teased it a little bit at the break of, is this the best class we could potentially ever see along the offensive line? And I, I think right now it's pretty good. It, it, it's more than pretty good. It, it's pretty darn impressive when you consider they've got a top 100 recruit in Bram Walden they have another four-star offensive tackle in Jonah Miller. And then they have the fifth-best center in the country, who is also a four-star prospect in Jackson Light. I mean, I, I think, Eric, if you just said those were your, were the three players that Oregon signed today and today, for this year, this year only, you would feel really good about the group. It's it's. But what elevates this to potentially the best class ever are the names still on the board that are highly considering Oregon. Yeah, there's no question about it. Um, and I think if you just objectively looked across the country, Oregon's offensive line trio would be up there with what is going on everywhere around the country. But you're right in terms of the upside along this offensive line. I think just the offensive position groups as a whole is extremely high. Um, and we t- we've talked about these names before, but Kingsley Somatia is would be the headliner of this recruiting class. And I think the odds are very strong right now he ends up at Oregon. The crystal ball is 100% lining up to Oregon. Those listening are probably familiar with the ties to the Sewell family, uh, and, and that gives Oregon a, a, a certainly a, an edge there. Um, Bryce Foster, an interior lineman out of the state of Texas, is a name we've also talked about regularly, who I think you have to know. And I think one of the things, when you're just looking at this offensive group as a whole, um, we're still early on in this cycle. A lot more to be done and a lot more commitments to be had, but... They already have a four-star commitment at quarterback in Ty Thompson, at running back in Seven McGee, at wide receiver, right receiver in Chiron, Ware Hudson, in Matavajo at tight end. And we just talked about the offensive linemen. 
Oregon already now has a four-star at all of the major offensive position groups. And over the weekend, I ran through looking at past classes to see when they've done this. And in the last decade, they've only done that twice for the entirety of the cycle. And they did it in 2012. That's a recruiting class that is pretty spectacular. Braylon Addison, Byron Marshall, Farrell Brown, a couple of other players you would recognize in that cycle. And they did it again in 2018 with the caveat that Jamal Elliott, who was the four-star running back of that group, uh, left the program after spring camp and, uh, and, and never played it down at Oregon. But you look through these other cycles, it just hasn't happened. And I, we spoke a little bit about the offensive line potential. Um, earlier we talked about the possibility of landing wide receivers Troy Franklin and Dante Thornton. Um, there's definitely buzz about another receiver from the California area, Xavier Worthy. I did a film review of him over the weekend. I know Matt has um, spoken with him recently as well. That's a target um, to also be familiar with. I just think there's a ton of upside in terms of four-star prospects in this class. Um, again, seven four-stars in 2012 was the most four-star offensive commitments Oregon has landed this decade. I just ran through the fact that Oregon currently has six, and with the upside of those guys we mentioned before, could be at eight or nine before we even get into the fall. So uh, that's where I think the upside lies, is that it's, they've already are pretty close, honestly, if you want to just compare it objectively to past cycles um, in terms of just the recruiting ranking. And I think the upside is there for them to be much better than that when everything is said and done. And maybe this is a class where you get to 10 or even 11 four-star offensive commitments, which would certainly be unparalleled, at least um, over the last couple of decades since these ranking, uh, recruiting rankings have taken place. Yeah, they're 100% on track right now to be in contention for the best class uh, offensively in, in school history. My biggest fear, and this is why we, we won't know this answer until after the guys get on, on campus and they start playing. Because just for instance, the 2011 class, think of these names <laughs> that, <laughs> that were part of this class. You have DeAnthony Thomas, you have a guy named Marcus Mariota, you have a couple offensive linemen, Andre Y. You also have Tyler Johnstone. You have a tight end that's name was Colt Lairla. And look, we could we could say everything we want about Colt and his not fulfilling his potential beyond the 2013 season, but he was by far on the field one of the best players Oregon has ever had at the tight end spot. He was really really good. They had. An offensive tackle named Jake Fisher, who's still currently in the NFL. Um, so I, I look at like a, just like a, I just pulled up 2012. I, I felt like that was a, a, a 2011. Excuse me. I felt like that was a special year from a recruiting perspective offensively. I mean, it produced a Heisman winner. It produced Anthony Thomas. Uh, the list goes on and on. I mean, 2000. And, and 12 is, is another one that's extremely talented. Farrell Brown, Evan Bayless, both those tight ends are in the NFL right now. Braylon Addison, Byron Marshall, Kyle Long, who's also in the NFL, Dwayne Stanford, uh, was a player on that team. So, I, 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 there's, there's a ton of elite classes in the previous years at Oregon. But 2021 is positioning itself where in two or three years, we're more than likely going to be talking about 
that class in the same light that we would the 2011 class or the 2012 class that have produced some of the best offensive players we've ever seen come through Oregon. Now, how many spots does Oregon have left to fill to be able to get to that position? That's a good question. And I think that's one in which there's a ton of flexibility, right? Like I, 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 I map this out as 25 scholarships. If you're unfamiliar with the rules, the, the, for how many players a school can sign, to make it the most simplest way possible, there's a number. It's 25. You're allowed to sign 25 players every single year. There's a way you can get a little bit above that by early enrollees and those guys counting towards the previous year. So if, if you had 20 out of your 25 players in the 2020 recruiting class sign and, and, and enroll out of Oregon, you now have 20 – you have five spots available that are left over that you could then in 2021 have five players enroll early. They then count towards the 2020 recruiting class, which fills that one originally up to 25 and allows you to now sign five more guys to get you to 30 for the 2021 recruiting class because of those five guys enrolling early, but they're not going to sign 25, but because they don't have they don't have the available room from a scholarship standpoint at this current junction in time, and, right. and that certainly could change. And I want to make sure that that's known is that it certainly could change. Like there there could be a run of guys that go pro early unexpectedly. There could be some guys that transfer. There could be some guys that retire medically from football. Uh, there could be guys that just not play football because they don't want to, and it, that's happened as well. Um, but right now, I, I think the number is safe to say kind of around 22, maybe 21 scholarships for the 2021 recruiting class. They already have a quarterback committed, so I don't envision that Oregon would go out and would sign another quarterback out there. It just doesn't make any sense. Right. They have one running back currently committed in seven, McGee, but – there's there's going to be some concern with him of getting into school simply because he's he has transferred high schools three or four times during his career and every time he tra- he changed schools it makes it just a little bit more difficult to go out and sign it to go out and, and academically qualify and make sure you've got all the courses that that are needed to get into school at the collegiate level for a- athletic purposes and so it wouldn't surprise me if that number, if they add a second running back, but I'm not going to count that towards the list because if solidified and things progress where they should be, he, I don't think Oregon, I don't think Oregon goes into another running back. Receiver, this is where it gets interesting. I, I had them for three spots, but I could see it go to two as well. Tight end, I believe they're going to sign one more, even though they've got a current tight end already on the, on the docket. They have two offensive tackles. I think they sign one only if it's Kingsley. Guard, they've got no, they, they don't have any guards committed. I expect them to sign one guard at that position. Center, they've already got one. They're not going to sign another one. Defensive tackle, they don't have any defensive tackles. I think they could sign one. I think they could sign two at this position. It kind of fluctuates depending on who's available, who's interested. They have one defensive end. I think they, this could be one. This could be two 
more defensive ends that they add to this class. They already have an outside linebacker. I think this is another one that could grow to to two to three more players at that spot. Middle linebacker, they've got Keith Brown, the state of Oregon's top prospect. I don't, I'm not quite sure if they're going to add another inside linebacker. Maybe one more, max. Cornerback, they've got two committed. I think they're, I think they could be okay with just these two, but I think they'll probably add maybe one, maybe two more. And then safety is one where they, they don't have any safeties committed. And I could see them signing one. I could see them signing two, or I could see them signing zero and taking those two spots and putting them to the cornerback position because they're going to sign a ton of a ton of scholarships, or they're going to sign a ton of talent at that position. Um, is there any one spot, Eric, you feel like looking at this group and looking what what's out there on the roster right now and saying they absolutely need to fill this spot? Is there one one or two spots where you just look at it? And say, look, going into 2020, there's just not a ton of depth. They need, they need more depth here. It's kind of hard to assess that because there might be some roster turnover following 2020, um, for 2021. I think obviously it's important to get a couple more wide receivers in this class. Oregon will graduate two after 2020. They have one commitment right now from Chiron Ware Hudson. We've talked about some of the other targets. I think it's important to make sure they at least get a couple of those high four star guys. There's, there's obviously, some big-time talent Oregon is after, but I think landing a couple of those guys to me feels imperative, especially when you look at that position going forward. I think there's a lot of talent there, but not a lot of it's going to be proven past the 2020 season. In fact, if you were to look at the roster and who would be there, I think Micah Pittman would be the receiver with the most experience currently um, for the 2021 season in terms of eligibility. So I think it's important to address that. And I, I do think... I know that they've done a good job the last couple of cycles of landing some interior defensive linemen. Um, I like the players they've landed, but similar to wide receiver, there just isn't a ton of clarity about exactly what that's going to look like. And you look at what Oregon has done so far in 2021, and they haven't addressed that at all. So I, I think a, an interior lineman of some sort, maybe somebody who can play uh, nose guard, but also slide over and play uh, strong side defensive end, someone with some positional versatility, somebody in the 285 to 300 pound range. Um, maybe they can get someone even bigger than that and get a traditional nose tackle, which frankly is something that really doesn't exist on the roster past 2021. So um, I would say wide receiver and an interior defensive lineman feel imperative. You think about what they've done in past classes at quarterback, at running back, um, especially at linebacker and defensive back the last couple of cycles. So I, I look at those groups and, and think those are important spots to address um, in 2021. And this class is going to add, real quick before we kind of shut down this podcast, is who could commit next? Who 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 are the names out there that Oregon might be able to go out and, and add to this class? I fully expect the month of June to be – a very good month for the Oregon Ducks. I'm not going to go out here and predict that they're going to sign six more players or they're going to land verbal commitments from six more players in the month of June, but there, there will be multiple commitments. There's expected to be multiple commitments from this group, uh, from this, from this coaching staff, and they're going to continue to load up on talent. And I think if, if you wanted a couple names to kind of keep track of, of who could commit next to the Oregon Ducks, and join this class of 2021. I, I, I think one of one, one of them is four-star wide receiver Troy Franklin. 
He is the number two receiver in the country. He's the 34th best player overall, regardless of position. He's the fifth best player in the state of California. And the Ducks have done a tremendous job here with Troy Franklin. And as the recruiting dead period continues to get pushed back further and further into summer, it's now all the way through July 31st. The month of August is typically a dead period already because teams are doing their fall camps and getting ready for the season. So are the high school players. It's going to be interesting to see how the recruiting period plays out. But as the dead period stretches further and further out, it's becoming more and more difficult for prospects to get on campus. And Franklin has been at Oregon multiple times. He's got a really good relationship with Oregon staff. He knows that he is their top target at the position. He knows he can show up to Oregon and play right away. There's a, I think there's a really good chance that Oregon adds Troy Franklin to this 2021 recruiting class. And then another name to, to keep eyes on right now is Terrence Ferguson, a four-star tight end. Brock Bowers is the highest-rated tight end left on the board for Oregon, but Oregon has a much better chance of landing four-star Terrence Ferguson out of Colorado. Uh, he has re- recently released the top five. It, it includes Auburn, USC, Tennessee, Oregon, and I'm forgetting the fifth school. Uh, I think Wisconsin. Um, yeah, it's Wisconsin. Uh, and out of all of those schools, though, I think Oregon is the favorite here. They want two tight ends. Ferguson is high on Oregon. He's okay going to school with, with uh, going to a school that, that signs multiple tight ends in the class. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if to ensure that he has a spot in this class, that he gives an early verbal commitment to the Ducks. He's already talking about doing it you know, before his senior season starts. So it's already kind of lining up to trend that way. So I would say keep your eye on Terrence Ferguson as well. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Odson Audible's podcast. We want to thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, however you listen to the show. Make sure that you, you get notified when we up, upload them. Lately, it's been almost every day. Uh, mm-hmm. And please also give us a review as well. And if you would really want to support the show and ensure that we keep doing these, you can do so by subscribing to DuckTerritory.com for as low as $1 for your first month and then $9.95 there after that. So, For Eric Scopel, myself, Matt Prem, you've been listening to the Austin Audible's podcast. We'll talk to you soon. See you later, folks.